Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Alex Sulga, Deus, Visipentor, Dimitriades, et Fulviante Odeverdeum, Pace Eus. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Arcangela, defende nos plorare. Contra nequitiam et insidias, diaboli esso praesimum. Impere Filii Deus, supplicas de precamor, duque princeps militae calestis, Satanam aliosque spiritus maligiosque a perditionum animarum, per legantur in mundo divina virtute, in impelum de fluo. Amen. Mater dolorosa, ora pro nobis. Beatus Carolus et Domo Austriae, ora pro nobis. Domine ostende facem tuum et salvi eribus, Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculata Concepiesa. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. I'm going to go over a couple of stories today. They're secular stories, but before we get started on them, there's been something that's been sort of repeating in my mind. And while this is a late broadcast, because admittedly I got home and, um, well, fell asleep. Like I was going to record, and then my computer decided to shut down, and I was like, "Well, I'm going to lay down, and I'm going to go. To, I'm going to lay down and relax because my computer's being ridiculous, and I don't like to force things too terribly much. You know, generally, when external things have an effect on my ability to take care of something, I don't really sweat it too much. I'll just move on to something else." <clears throat> But I woke up with this message just running through my head. And it had to do specifically with the, with the scripture. Because when I got the distinctive impression from everything that was going on, because the dream that I was having was actually kind of eclectic, um, and should have been a little bit more panicky, in all honesty. Like, the dream that should have qualified more as a nightmare. But I kept getting this distinctive impression that I was standing on a ship. And there was a storm raging around me. And our Lord was racked out asleep. In the back. Now. In Scripture, the apostles were in the boat, and the storm was breaking around them, and they were afraid that they were going to capsize. I mean, this was how severe the storm was. And they woke him up, and they said, Lord, save us, we perish. And he looked at them, and he said, Oh, you have little faith. The apostles didn't understand the one thing that we know from the story. The Lord God himself in the flesh is in the boat, racked out sleeping. You're safe. Because the storm is not going to destroy the ship occupied by God and the people he loves. 
Now, it's been several weeks, many weeks, since this reading was a thing in the church. And it pops up from time to time. And I've noticed that, you know, there have been people who were talking about it from time to time. <clears throat> but they were talking about it most of the time before the context of the Ukrainian conflict breaking out and, and the threat of nuclear war. And then immediately followed, I mean, it, like, if you think about it, we had COVID, the so-called pandemic, the craziness that went on with that. The, oh my God, you're going to kill grandma if you don't wear a mask and get the jab. <clears throat> we had that just peel back just in time for, for the war between Russia and Ukraine to pop off, which had everybody, which I'm not even joking, every single traditional Catholic, all of our spidey senses got to tingling. There's not a single Catholic podcast that does not understand the potential ramifications of, of war with Russia and Ukraine. <laughs> there are some who don't understand all the details, but Russia goes to war, and the whole of the Catholic of the traditional Catholic world, every single person who has ever said, Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. We all knew our spidey senses were tingling. We were all hyper-focused. But in the aftermath of that, <clears throat> there are some other ramifications. Because it looks like the chastisement's not really going to be nuclear war. Although it still can be. I mean, you know, don't lose hope, those of you who had nuclear war on your, on your apocalypse bingo cards. That can still happen. But it's looking like it's going to be famine and starvation that gets to be the one that really, really does us in. And it's really funny. Because it's happening in order. <laughs> I looked and behold a white horse. <clears throat> and he who rode on it was given a crown and a bow. Not a bow and arrows, just a bow. And he went riding out to come conquering and to conquer pestilence and then immediately after that I looked and behold a red horse and to him was given a great sword and he went out and he went out riding <clears throat> on said fiery red horse to make war with mankind and I looked and behold a black horse and to him was given the scales and the instructions, a pound of wheat for a denarius and two pounds of barley for a denarius, but do not harm the oil or the wine. I think everybody forgot about do not harm the oil or the wine. Kind of important. <clears throat> Anyhow, <clears throat> and it seemed to roll out in exactly that order because let's see, it started with COVID and then we immediately went to potential for nuclear war and we're getting ready um, because of this war that we're actually having that started out as a, what we thought was going to be a nuclear war, but it's definitely turning it into an economic war. It seemed to actually roll out exactly in that order. <clears throat> And it's terrifying. It's scary, to be sure. All of us, when this thing popped off with Russia, I'm not even joking, every single Catholic podcast seemed to be attuned to Our Lady of Fatima and what the potential ramifications for this were. <clears throat> it didn't matter how small the podcast either. So here's the thing. <clears throat> we really can't afford to be of little faith. I mean, we, I suppose we can be. We can panic and say, oh, Lord, Lord, save us. Okay. <clears throat> and he's just going to look at us like the apostles and be like, did I not tell you that I would be with you always, even to the end of time? 
Were, I mean, did you not hear me say that? That I was always going to be with you, not to fear he who can he who can slay merely the flesh, but he who can separate flesh from soul and condemn me to hell. So as I was going through the dream, and seemingly a great and terrible dream, and everybody around me was panicking, I remembered that the Lord was asleep in the back. And so my dream ended when I folded up a blanket and laid down next to him and went to sleep. Because if our Lord is asleep, resting, and it seems like the world is coming apart around us, I can afford to sleep. I can afford to relax. If the storm's around us and it looks like the ship's about to sink, but our Lord is resting in the back of his ship, then I can sit down and play cards. Or light a candle and read a book. Or just sit with our Lord. And be creepy and watch him sleep. <laughs> but the bottom line is, is that if our Lord is resting in the back of the ship, it doesn't matter how bad that storm gets, the ship's not going And what do we have to have in order for our Lord to be with us? We need to be in a state of grace. We need to be doing what we're supposed to be doing according to our state and status. We need to not be lashing out at each other in anger, particularly at the brethren, at the at our at our brothers in Christ. We do need to exercise prudence because if you're a family man, if you're a husband and a father, then you have a responsibility for the salvation of your wife and your children. But you also have a responsibility to care, provide for. Husband, housebound, husband. You have a responsibility that you have to take care of as best you can. We're looking at a total economic collapse. Most everybody understands that. Even if we can't wrap our heads around it, we understand that the dollar, the euro, the, you know, the peso, they're doing what they can to try and flush all these down the toilet. And it looks like it's probably going to work. Especially with, especially with what the, the recent recent actions in Russia have been, or with with regard to Russia have been, it looks like it's going to work. So it's going to get a little bit difficult. It's going to, about time to exercise some prudence. <clears throat> but what it is not, it is, it is not time to panic. There are some things that you got to be aware of. I'm trying to make sure I have the right. Here we go. This article's from a couple of days ago. Well, we're going to go ahead and talk about the money. We're stretching to the temporal part of the show. The article's from Zero Hedge, When Normality is Exposed as a Ponzi. Um, you, can, you can find it on zerohedge.com. Um, it was originally authored by Alasdair McLeod via goldmoney.com, so you'll be able to 
find it there as well, apparently. <clears throat> Putin's hubris, yes, men for generals, lack of fighting conviction among men, poor logistics, and strong Ukrainian leadership and determination have combined to turn the Russian invasion of Ukraine into a military quagmire. Meanwhile, the West has ups up the stakes in a financial war. The underlying assumption is that the Russian economy is weak and those of Western allies are stronger. A few key metrics show this is incorrect. The underlying resilience of the Russian economy and its financial system is not generally understood, and instead EU sanctions could end up undermining the whole euro system and the euro itself. Now that opening statement about Putin's hubris, um, I disagree with. <clears throat> In fact, the thing that I'm most concerned about is that we've completely misestimated, be it misunderestimated or whatever, but we have misestimated what the movement in Ukraine or lack of movement. Because the thing is, is what I notice is that everybody's like, oh yeah, we've managed to kill this, that, and the other, and blah, 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 and they're being fought back valiantly, and that's probably the case. But it's also probable that Russia's moving at a different pace. That they're not in a rush. That this is not the invasion that we think it is. That this is actually a more measured movement. And if it's a more measured movement, if all of this is actually more deliberate, Putin knows exactly what he's doing, and the military actually has the advice, <clears throat> you know, is actually aware of what their mission is, that's huge. And The fact is, is, the people who are making all these assessments, oh, you know, they're fighting valiantly and they're resisting and blah, blah, blah. I mean, let's be real. These people have been wrong about everything. <clears throat> so the idea that they would still be wrong is not outside the realm of possibility. But let's get to the financial aspect, because this is actually kind of the thing that's most important. This article looks at how errors on the battlefield are likely to bring financial and economic war between the West and Russia out into the open. By suspending access to them, the West has made the mistake of providing to Russia and all the other central banks the ultimate uselessness of currency reserves and the benefits of gold. As well as leading to the likely collapse of the entire euro system, this article explains how this financial war could end up with the de facto gold standard for the ruble and call, for, and call an end the entire fiat currency Ponzi scheme. Subheadline. Destruction of the global fiat Ponzi scheme is a step closer. Being increasingly debased, Western currencies serve to conceal deteriorating economic conditions, particularly in the US, EU, UK, and Japan. In China, less so, perhaps. But China faces an old-fashioned property crisis, which is sure to lead to further currency expansion and therefore debasement, debasement of the renminbi. In this article about the state of the financial world between the U.S., U.K., and U uh, EU at, on one side, collectively the West, and Russia on the other, we focus on how the invasion of Ukraine is evolving into open financial warfare. There is a widespread assumption that the West is playing from financial strength into Russian weakness, and this is not so. The Western economic system is in a deepening crisis of its own. Accelerated currency debasement is feeding into rising prices as purchasing powers decline. At the same time, the artificial economic boost from economic and currency intervention is fading. Some say it's stagflation, but a better description is that the West's problems stem from monetary inflation and increasing market awareness of the hidden taxation by negative real yields on government bonds. Central banks have enough of a dilemma de dealing with the fallout from their monetary policies without seeing an acceleration of financial hostilities against anyone. <clears throat> At its root, the Fed, the Bank of England, and the European Central Bank have been running a currency Ponzi scheme by issuing additional currency for their government's benefit while claiming it is for the benefit of the people. 
A Ponzi scheme is a fraud that pays existing investors with funds collected from new investors. This is the, UN's, the U.S. SEC's own definition. It goes on to list some red flags, most of which will be familiar to Bernie Madoff's victims. Talking of Bernie, older hands will remember Bernie Cornfell and his investors' overseas service, who, like the hedge fund managers of a later generation, believed in taking his fees from the profits generated by his funds, the forerunner of the 2 and 20. His marketing tagline to his salesman, Do you sincerely want to be rich? was backed up by eye-watering commission rates. But in the end, the cost of maintaining all the promised returns led to Bernie's mutual fund of mutual funds collapsing in 1970. Though his IOS was not a Ponzi in the strict sense, Kornfeld exposed the element of human nature which is attracted by all Ponzi schemes, including currency debasement, investment greed. Greed is now deployed by central banks to keep the fiat currency debasement illusion going. Unbacked fiat currency is a Ponzi because its expansion is financed by the transfer of wealth from everyone for the supposed benefit of everyone. Think of the currency Ponzi as, a conning, as conning people into financial form of perpetual motion. And that what we now have with the, with the global monetary and financial <clears throat> excuse me, and that's what we now have with the global monetary and financial system. That's the thing about Ponzi schemes. Deep down, we know that the returns can't keep on coming, but we still buy into them for fear of missing out. Until, that is, something reverses the flow of funds, collapsing the scheme. Today, this is the situation with the whole fiat hypothesis. It has been going on in its current form since 1971, when President Nixon took the dollar from off from the Bretton Woods fig leaf of a gold standard. <clears throat> with a few ups and downs since, now, we, <clears throat> we have all bought into the dollar-based fiat Ponzi. Everyone's committed to it, not only sincerely, everyone committed to it, not only sincerely wants to be rich, but believes we can be without having to work for it. Since the 1980s, the currency Ponzi was bankrolled by the expansion of bank credit aimed at consumers and their housing until the Lehman crisis. Since then, it has been financed by the central bank quantitative easing credit expansion, and the odd helicopter drop, which is to say the odd helicopter drop of funds. Today, in the wake of COVID lockdowns, excuse me, today, in the wake of COVID lockdowns, central banks are scrambling to keep the illusion alive by printing currency even more aggressively while screwing down interest rates and bond yields. Meanwhile, the political class has become complacent. For them, their central bank will continue to fund the state's excess spending while maintaining monetary and financial stability. And one can easily imagine that in dealing with matters of state, central banks are no longer consulted. Their support is simply assumed. Now we face an aggressive Russia. In the West, it is unwisely assumed that America, the EU, and the UK, and their allies can just shut Russia down by isolating it from international financing facilities. By denying access to Western currencies at the central bank level, they believe that the Russian economy will be ruined rapidly. The ruble is rubble and prices are rising. ATMs are empty and bank runs are everywhere. Putin will be forced to give in in a matter of days or a week or two at the outside. Putin has responded most alarmingly by announcing the mobilization of his nuclear capability, threatening to liquidate Ukrainians and or his Western enemies. We can only assume that won't happen because if it does, including Putin, they're all dead anyway. Instead, escalation of World War level should be more seriously considered as being financial and economic in nature. Last weekend, we saw the first financial salvos being fired by the West. Sanctions against prominent Russians, withdrawal of swift access for Russian banks, and cutting off Russia's central bank from access to its currency reserves. The risk, which is barely understood even by central bankers, let alone the politicians who are dumb, is that Russia has the power to reverse the flows that keep the West currency Ponzi alive. In this article, we look at the situation on the ground, estimate how the financial war is likely to evolve, and how a 51-year fiat Ponzi we are complacently accustomed to is likely to finally collapse. Until a few weeks ago, Putin hardly put a foot wrong with his, ge with his geopolitical strategy. Like Muhammad Ali, all, <clears throat> all in the rubble in the jungle against George Foreman in 1974, Putin let America tire itself out, fighting in Iraq, Syria, and Afghanistan. Ali was then able to knock Foreman out with a flurry of punches in round eight. Putin presumably 
thought that sleepy Joe Biden was similarly vulnerable, allowing his military to take out Ukraine. <clears throat> well, I'm going to get into the... We're going to skip the rest of this for the moment. Uh, at least this part. Because we all know what's going on in Ukraine. And all of this is just stuff about, you know, the war. Here's the closeout of what seems to be happening. The West shut Russia out from the finance markets. Businesses are moving to isolate Russia. Okay, cool. Well, <clears throat> Russia's national debt to GDP ratio is not crazy. We are under the impression that our national debt is something like $30 trillion with our GDP being right in the range of about 20, 27 trillion. Well, in the United States, that's the big lie. <clears throat> because, because of the way the U.S. sort of presents all of its money, we do a shell game with the national debt. <clears throat> So let's be a moment, let's be honest for a moment. If the printing of money is to be, if the recent printing of money by the Fed is to be believed, then our total national debt, our actual national debt, is something to the tune of $153 trillion. And with a GDP that's barely teetering right around 26, 27, 28 trillion, we're probably in the range of right around five times, five times the GDP. We're well overextended. <clears throat> well overextended. And because our government likes to hide money, likes to hide what's actually out there, likes to hide as much as they possibly can. They go, oh, well, you know, the inflation rate's only about 7.5%, even though that's the worst since 1980. Okay, except that if we ran the numbers the way they did back in 1980, the inflation rate is actually closer to 20%. And given the fact that gasoline went up in price 10 cents last night, and 20 cents the night before, effectively 30 cents in two days. And if you're sitting at an average gas price, if you were at an average gas price of 350 a gallon, then you're sitting at an average gas price of 380 a gallon right now as I record this. Well, that doesn't seem like a 7% inflation rate. That's a 10% inflation rate, but that's a 10% inflation rate in two days. Now, maybe gas will stabilize at 380 and it'll stay there, except that it's not, because the national gas price is $4 a gallon. Well, it was only a couple of weeks ago that we were pushing the 350s. Actually, it wasn't even a couple of weeks ago. It was last week. The last time I filled up my tank, it was 345. Tomorrow, when I fill up my tank, it'll likely be, well, where I'm at, gas prices are held down because we have oil refineries and stuff here. <clears throat> we actually ship out the gas from here, so it's like basically where I'm at, we're the first stop. But last week, gas was... The last time I filled up my tank, it was 345. And the next time I fill up my tank, it'll be 380. <clears throat> the time after that, based on the current rate of based on the current rate, it's probably going to be 430. Will it be? I don't know. I don't really tell the future. I try not to tell the future. 
What I know is that when gas gets, gets if gas carries up too much further than where it's at right now, I'm going to have some serious difficulty buying food. I'm going to have some seriously some serious difficulty filling up my car. I'm going to have some serious difficulty just making it to work. <clears throat> Getting to work, let alone being able to work and actually get home and do all of the other things that I'm supposed to do just for me. <clears throat> our national debt is probably something close to five or ten times what our GDP is. Easily. With the amount of money that we've been dumping out into, like just dumping out, it's very clear. It's very clear to me that the reason why they're dumping out all this money while they're printing as much as they are, as fast as they are, is because they know that the debt that the bill's about to come due, and they have to try and keep everything afloat. Well, the only way that you can keep, the only way, the only way that you can pay all that down is to have all of that in circulation. You have to have, like, we can't owe $155 trillion and not have at least $155 trillion in circulation. Or we're screwed. Well, Russia's not in that issue. They don't have that problem. Their national debt is less than their GDP. Yeah, let me say that again. Their national debt is actually less than their GDP. And these are by outside estimates, not by official Russian numbers. Outside estimates say that the Russian economy is actually stronger because we're not because they are not overextended. As bad as this war is, they didn't overextend themselves to prosecute it unlike some countries who overextended themselves for 20 years to prosecute Iraq and Afghanistan. <clears throat> I just wish, <sighs> I wish people were paying that, I wish people were paying closer attention. Because what's gonna happen is that we're going to sanction the daylights out of Russia. We're going to shut down their ability to do business. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Business? With us, 
And the BRIC countries, Brazil, Russia, India, and China, which roughly constitute 55% of the global population and therefore 55% of the global economy. Oh, wait, what? He said, what? India and China have a population at one and a half billion people each. India and China alone constitute an economic force of three billion people plus. Now China's on the decline. Okay, cool. Well, okay, well that sucks when it comes to population. But they're on the ascendancy for economic power and you know, if they can manage to outrun their housing crisis, um, they can do some serious damage to the rest of us. India just has to say, you know what? We're going to trade rupee and ruple. Rupee, ruple, and renminbi. Well, that's going to be dangerous. And then Brazil. When you take the, when, like, no joke, when you take the BRIC countries, what you end up with is you end up with more financial power, more economic power than the United States. Now, granted, our medical people did just drop a bomb. But it's not coming home to roost just yet. And I'm going to tease that right now. We're going to talk about it here in a second. But we're not going to know the, the effects of that bomb for another couple of generations. For not another couple of, for, for at least probably another 10 years. Ballpark. 10 to 15 years at most. <clears throat> well, we're not. I don't think our economy is going to survive another 10 to 15 years. So I wouldn't worry so much about this bomb. Ultimately, the bottom line is, is that Russia's not in the weak position that we think it is. We are not the strong ones. The West is not in a strong position. We've been Ponzi scheming our lives away, and that's about to come home to roost. It's coming home to roost now. And our idiot leadership continually seem to make the wrong choices, because rather than opening full tilt our oil and gas production, Rather than actually becoming fully, rather than reopening everything and becoming energy independent again, we've decided to go to Iran and Venezuela for oil, because that's a great idea. And these idiots still think climate change is more, like, here's the thing. These morons still think climate change is a more existential threat than Russia. They don't think... Russia can wipe us out faster than climate change. Like, no joke. Like, how stupid do you have to be? Anyway, that's enough of that. Because the fact remains, like I said before, these things are coming, but our Lord's also in the boat. Not with America. Not with Europe. But with Catholics with those who do have the faith to understand that the more painful this is for us, the more we're suffering, the more we're willing to grin and bear it, the, the, the more suffering that we end up undergoing all week, like the closer he is. And when we reach the point where things, we don't think things can go any further, he can actually probably just look up and kiss us right on the cheek because he's that close. Now, from the second smartest guy in the world at Substack. <laughs> and I want to thank a listener for pointing this out to me because I got this. Um, I don't remember who sent this. Oh. <clears throat> My friend just thinking logically. He's the one who sent it. Spectacular article. 
<clears throat> now, some of the link, one at least one or two of the links on this are broken, and so I was not able to uh, verify everything here. But this does correlate with much of the other data that I did already have. Headline: Lasting Legacy of Trojan Horses. An anonymous tip from December 2020 aged exceptionally well with bad repercussions for female fertility in girls born to both COVID-19 vaccinated parents. <clears throat> By Andreas Oler. Although, and, I'm, I'm, and I hope I said that right. Although it has been reported on, uh, on by Igor Chudov a few days ago, I'd like to add a bit more brief to this uncorroborated, so far, information. As it is the news no one wants to believe, but it deserves further investigation for reasons outlined below. The original Moderna Insider tip from December 2020 from two anonymous engineers working there goes like this, quote, I'm an industrial engineer at Moderna, and the other one is a, of us is a process development engineer. I'm sure the same thing is happening with the Pfizer-BioNTech. It was hard to put things together based on the small quantities of additions happening and manual step, highly unorthodox for continuous process production. The explanation we got was highly sensitive trade secrets adjuvants being added. Digging in deeper showed how sensitive it actually was. Most people's understanding of this novel vaccine type is that it works as follows. One, make, MR, MR, make mRNA coding for spike protein. Two, make lipid nanoparticle delivery system. Three, prop. How it actually works from what we've uncovered. One, make mRNA coding for spike protein. Two, make mRNA coding for mutant versions of CYP19A1 and CDKN1B in smaller amounts. Three, make sure that while delivery system for one mostly ends up in liver, most of two ends up in the gonads. Four, make sure form and quantity of additive upregulating line one reverse transcription activity makes it hard to detect among legit adjuvants. Five, effects from two integrated by four are recessive. Mildly oncogenic effects in, in vaccine recipients unlikely to be noticed for many years. Six, five recessive, but since most of the population is vaccinated, in next generation, female offspring have premature ovarian failure. The beef of this tip is that in addition to the mRNA codes for the spike, for the S spike, <clears throat> the vaccine vials will contain additional mRNA that codes both for a mutant version of CYP19-alpha-1 and a mutant version of CDKN1B. Both of these mutant, mutant proteins are implicated in the female infertility issues. From the advantage of hindsight in March of 2022, this information is credible for the following reasons. One, the pharmacokinetics information of the LMPs in mRNA vaccines has been spilled by the Japanese only in 2021. As it turned out, the LMPs with the mRNA in them do not stay at the injection site as the CDC and other agencies postulated. Instead, they accumulate in the liver and the gonads of the vaccines, of vaccinees in high concentrations. Surprise! So the tipsters have been confirmed co correct in this regard. The studies regarding line 1 enzymes being able to reverse transcribe the vaccine mRNA back into human DNA appeared much later as well. For those of you who do not remember, the story came out a few weeks ago, a couple of, I think about a week, week and a half ago, that the, um, in fact, actually right as the Russia thing was fully popping off. So you probably missed it. But, study came out, peer-reviewed, the mRNA vaccines are recoding your DNA. You can go back and find it. Um, you can go back and find it in places that are more reliable than Radio Free Catholic. <clears throat> uh, continuing from the article. <clears throat> so, uh, as a subline, reverse transcribed SARS-CoV-2 RNA can integrate into the genome of cultured human cells and can be expressed in patient-derived tissues. And this is Janish 
et al. 2021, May 21st. Intracellular, quote, this is actually the name of the substudy, intracellular reverse transcription of Pfizer BioNTech COVID-19 mRNA vaccine DTNT162D2 in vitro in human liver cell line. And that's Marcus Albin et al. 2022, February 25th. Another solid confirmation that the tipsters knew what they were talking about way before this information was public. In October 2021, a former Pfizer quality control manager and whistleblower, Melissa Strickler, spilled the beans on the unusual manufacturing processes at the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine plant in a series of interviews. Pfizer's processes for its vaccine are strangely deviating from usual norms. The compounding room has no idea what the components are, what are the components they are mixing, or what the components are they are mixing into the product. The secrecy about what goes into the vials is unprecedented. Furthermore, the vaccine manufacturers are not controlled by any independent body as to the quality control. The vials being shipped directly to the vaccine administration location. The vials are being shipped to directly to the vaccine administration location. This lends credence to the assertion that the mRNA vaccines may contain undisclosed constituents. How many people have been asking, what's in them, what's in them, what's in them? The leak of EMA Pfizer correspondence in November 2020, when the EMA was working on Pfizer's vaccine authorization, revealed that the EMA was concerned that the mRNA in the vaccine vials contained only 55% of the intended S-spike code the rest being truncated species, blamed on the faults of the manufacturing process. Pfizer placated these concerns by pushing the S-spike code proportion up to 75%, at least for the time being. After that, the EMA stopped looking into Kerbajab's kosher. More, more on this in, uh, in the post, zeroing in on gifts from science to humanity from November 2021. So another score from the tipsters, the jabs do contain some ex- exogenous mRNA code that no one analyzes or scrutinizes. And if that's not enough, Big Pharma, in collaboration with World Health Organization and the National Institutes of Health, have a long tradition of adding undisclosed ingredients and harming female fertility into the vaccines going all the way back to the 1970s. In 2017, HCG found in WHO tetanus vaccine in Kenya raises concern in the developing world. Baby killer vaccine, is it being stealth-tested? During the early 1990s, the World Health Organization has been overseeing massive vaccination campaigns against tetanus in a number of countries, among them Nicaragua, Mexico, and the Philippines. In October 1994, Human Life International, HLI, received a communication from its Mexican affiliate, the the, the Comité Pro Vida de Mexico, regarding that country's anti-tetanus campaign. Suspicious of the campaign's protocols, the Comité obtained several vials of the vaccine and had had them analyzed by chemists. Some of the vials were found to contain human chorionic gonadotropin HCG, a natural occurring hormone essential for maintaining a pregnancy. Here are the known facts concerning the tetanus vaccination campaigns in Mexico and the Philippines. One. Only women are vaccinated and only women between the ages of 15 and 45. In Nicaragua, the age range was 12 to 49. Two, human chorionic gonadotropin, HCG hormone, was found in the vaccines. Three, the vaccination protocols call for multiple injections. Three within three months and a total of five altogether. But those of you who have ever had a tetanus shot, Know that tetanus vaccinations provide protection for 10 years or more. So why are multiple inoculations called for? Allied with the World Health Organization in the development of the anti-fertility vaccine, the AFV, using HCG with tetanus and other carriers has been, has been um, UNFPA and UN Development Programs, UNDP, the World Bank and Population Council, Rockefeller Foundation, all India Institute of Medical Sciences, and a number of universities, including Uppsala, Helsinki, and Ohio State, the U.S. National Institute of Child Health and Human Development, part of the NIH, was the supplier of the HCG hormone in some of the AFV experiments. 
Again, corroboration of the thrust of the allegations by the Moderna insider. So let me shorten that up. It's distinctively possible to pump an HCG into this. Now, next bullet. The strange irrational drive to vaccinate every last person on Earth, especially children and pregnant women with the untestedly clearly dangerous injections, is another huge red flag as to the true goals of the COVID-19 vaccination of the world population. Especially that the population control has been the holy grail for, you, for the eugenicist cabal since the 19th century, and in the form of vaccines, no less. <clears throat> Um, and then he's got a reference in there for read my post going from jugular to two all ducks in a row. For complete, more or less, disclosure. <clears throat> Last bullet. The new plant-based Canada-made non-mRNA vaccine still contains LNP material in them for some inexplicable reason. Or should we suspect that it will also contain fertility-harming mRNA? So there's a lot of indirect evidence that the Moderna insiders are trustworthy that the whistleblowing deserves all the attention it can garner in the form of vial analysis and vaccine testing, for starters. In the meantime, this post should serve as a fair warning of one of the elements on which to base your informed decision as to whether or not you will accept any vaccine, any vaccine, in 2022 and forward, or any injection for that matter, from your caring health authorities and governments. Now here's the thing. <clears throat> this whole thing could be bupkis, but we're pretty sure it's not. Because when you look at the entire cabal of people who've been pushing the vaccine, all of them are well-known eugenicists, so all of them are well-known population control people. Bill Gates, <clears throat> I will continue to hammer this on the podcast, as I have done for now for more than a year and a half, is cited in a TED talk as saying, if we, quote, if we do a good job with, with, <clears throat> with vaccines and with reproductive health care, that's aka abortion, we can reduce the, the size of the population by 10 to 15%. If we do a good job with vaccines and abortion, we can reduce the size of the population by 10 to 15%. Dear family, I can tell you, they have already they have already succeeded. <clears throat> With abortion alone, worldwide, 1.6 billion children have been exterminated. Billion with a B. With abortion alone, they have ex with abortion alone, worldwide, they have exterminated. A population the size of India. And with vaccines, they probably intend to do more. With this vaccine, we've already heard of dozens of women losing their pregnancies because they were because they got the jab while pregnant. In some countries they have a vaccination rate of as high as 98%. <clears throat> and I think the irony of this is that the, those 98% were in the western european all white countries because when you go to africa that's definitely not the case. So while they intended on exterminating all those third world countries from all those pesky little third world country citizens, what they actually got was they got an extermination of the culture that they were actually sort of covertly trying to preserve. Because that's what happens when you make everybody panic. That's what happens when you tell people that they will get the jab. That's what happens when you threaten lives and livelihoods. So if you got the jab, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you're going to suffer in very large part. I'm sorry for the listener whose son got the jab in the military and suffered from heart disease. I really am. <clears throat> I'm sorry for 
the listeners who don't realize how their fertility is going to be affected fully. I'm sorry for the listeners out there and the people, or maybe even who know people. You know, maybe both the husband and the wife got the jab. And they won't know for 10 to 15 years. Because maybe it didn't directly affect them just yet. They won't know for another 10 to 15 years. But they may have a daughter that's sterile. Or a son that's impotent. Well, I suppose technically sterile is the word it goes to. Typically, for an experiment like this, you can expect roughly 15-20% of the population to be negatively to be negatively and adversely affected in some way, shape, or form. And so we've got a mild percentage. I mean, it's a high percentage, but it's a mild percentage of myocarditis, periocarditis, etc. And there's probably on top of that going to be another five or so percent. Five, maybe ten percent. That they themselves are going to be directly affected. But the warning that came out about these so-called vaccines was that it would alter your genome enough so that you could pass it on to your children. That was, mind you, this was the advertisement. They were lauding this. This is out of Johns Hopkins University. They were celebrating this this accomplishment. That you could get the vaccine and it would alter you just enough so that you could pass it on to your children and your children would pass it on and this is a permanent part of your genome. And everybody said, oh, it's a conspiracy theory. No, it wasn't. It was a medical study from Johns Hopkins. They were lauding what they could do, potentially, with mRNA technology. Did you think they weren't going to try? And so in most countries, particularly in the West, particularly in the West, Particularly in the West, they get a high vaccination rate. Some countries like Israel, you boobs. In Israel, they got a vaccination rate of 98%. At this point, I don't even care if somebody considers themselves to be a Zionist or not. 98% they got the vast, 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 vast majority of the Israeli population to take the jab. I wonder if it worked like that in Palestine. Because what I'm willing to bet is that the population is about to fall off from that. What I'm willing to bet is that they're going to have such a population decline, it's not even going to be funny. Because keep in mind that in Israel, gay rights and the LGBT movement and all that other stuff has spread almost as badly as it has in America. Not quite as bad as it is in America. But it certainly is enough to probably make sure that maybe about 12 to 15% of the population, 12 to 15% of the next generation is not going to have children anyway due to lifestyle choices. And since they all got the jab, you can add another 5 to 10% on top of that, which means that Israel's population is probably going to fall by in the next generation and a half by 20 to 
So, it turns out that Adolf Hitler was going to get into trouble. And the Jewish people will self-exterminate. How do I feel about that? I don't particularly care. I'm just illustrating the foolishness of what we've done to ourselves these last couple of years. We don't know what the long-term ramifications are going to be. This could be the end of time, and so it may not matter anyway. Like, no joke. We could be, you know, if, like, if my previous estimate was correct and we had between 9 and, well, let's see. If the curtain's supposed to roll back between 2029 and 2031 or 33, then, I mean, we won't have to, we really don't have to worry about the full ramifications then, do we? Because we've, we've got less than a dozen years left. Less than a dozen years left before the return of our Lord. So if that is in fact the case, and that does turn out to be the case, then the long-term effects of the COVID vaccines aren't really going to matter. And honestly, I really do hope that's the case. I really, really hope that's the case. I hope that's the case because we have made such a catastrophic error. Catastrophic error. Dear family, do you understand that there is now such a thing as being pure blood? I mean, we're not going to treat it as such because there's no real way to long term you're not going to be able to tell but there really is such a thing as being pure blood human crazy <clears throat> now I tell you all of this not to panic not to panic too obviously um, and if you've taken the jab, there's really, like, what are you going to do? Um, honestly, I would say get to one of the healing, you know, go to go to uh, Trey Fontaine. Go to Lourdes. You know, that would be my recommendation. Go to some place that's known for its healing. Like the oratory of the holy face. That would be my recommendation. If you're Catholic and you took the jab, you at least have recourse. You have recourse to go to some of the places where super where miraculous healings have taken place. And pray. There are miracles in our faith. And the hope of a miracle is probably the best way to carry forward. The other thing, like I opened with, if you're Catholic, the Lord's in the boat. Stay in a state of grace and relax. That's it. Just stay in a state of grace and relax. Because whatever it is that's, that is his intent, that's where we need to be. Wherever his will is where we need to be. So those are the two big stories. The two big stories nobody like there are a lot of people talking about, but nobody's talking about. I would say no more jabs. I would say switch over to holistic health care.
I don't know about homeopathic health care. I don't know enough about it. <clears throat> but I would switch over to holistic health care. Somebody who treats ailments by, you know, alter making alterations in, in your diet so that this way, you know, you're changing the foods that you eat so that your body can rebuild differently. I would say, you know, using dietary supplements like vitamin D and, and uh, you know, quercetin and uh, turmeric and all, and all of those things. I would say shift to things that we know are less extreme that allow our bodies to operate best for themselves. Because high medicine is clearly not good health care. You know, if you break your arm or whatever, you break your ankle, you know, you go to the hospital, you get all that stuff set. But when you go to the doctor, if your doctor's not talking about, if your doctor's not talking about, you know, vitamin supplements and, and changes in diet and exercise and getting outside more and, and actually approaching your whole health, the, the health care of your whole body. If you're not also going to the pre, going to your confessor and making sure that you're taking care of the health of your spirit, if you're not actually doing the things more broad-based than what we have been doing in America for the last generation or two, I think you're setting yourself up for failure. And I think these people have finally taken the mask off and shown themselves for the fraudsters that they are. Because they relied on an injection. And then all of their medical advice was you get the shot and then you stay home. You, you know, to keep yourself protected from COVID, you should lock yourself in your home and stay away and cover your face with a mask. And all of those things don't work. They're actually harmful. They've always been harmful. We've known they were harmful. I mean, we knew up until 2020 that they were harmful. Then in 2020, white was black and, and up was down and left was right. And all of a sudden, everything was just backwards, upside down and inside out. But if you remember back to before 2020, we used to know better. And it would be in our best interests to know better again. We got to get ourselves back on track. These people, you know, let them do whatever they want. They want to kill themselves with the jab, let them kill themselves with the jab. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Because as long as he is with us, the ship's not sinking. We're not going to capsize, and we're not going to drown. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin Protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii Spiritus Sancti. Amen.